Hey there, everybody. It's Kurt Dodo with Realm IQ. We're here for another Realm IQ session. Today, we have Darren Gibb coming all the way from Spain. He's a digital marketer and has embraced AI, and he's a former teacher. Uh, he's a colleague, a peer, and a friend, and so we're really happy to have you. Darren, how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about your career and how you ended up where you are. Very well. Very well, thank you, Kurt. Thank you for having me. So yeah, it's it's been a strange old journey into the world of AI. I quite often take it back to the old Atari ST520, playing around with it and just really going from there to really beginning to see the developments, even just in the last year in the field of AI. And finally, it feels like what I always dreamed it should have felt like when I was in there with the big three and a half inch, well, the smaller three and a half inch floppy disk drives. So yeah, so as you said, I, I was a teacher. I worked in high schools teaching English literature and language for the best part of a decade, Kurt. And I think that's what attracted me to things like prompt engineering because I think it really is important that you've got a command of language to be able to actually and a knowledge of prompt engineering but having good language skills I genuinely do feel help with regards to prompt engineering because we're able to actually convey what we want more articulately and be able to do it in a way that I think when you've got an understanding of how the AI can respond to it it also understands so it's a strange one but I do feel there's a lot of what to do related to that. So as a high school teacher, storytelling obviously was a key part of what I did, being a literature, literature teacher. And living in Spain, I also taught, taught language as well. And it was really, I was working in a British school, head of English, head of every bloody job nobody else wanted to do, and quickly learned that actually working for people, especially people who didn't actually care about me, let alone the kids that they're supposed to have a duty of care to, I thought, this isn't my bag. So from there, I kind of got into entrepreneurship. Myself, my best friend, we were convinced we knew how to teach English better than anybody else. And we had a methodology of just going to change the world. And yeah, we spent God knows how many hours a week mastering it, putting it out there. But as neither of us had any clue about marketing, we never actually took off. And more than anything else, it damaged our friendship rather than made us a single dime to use American currency just for you, Kurt, or a cent okay, if we're in Europe, you. or a penny if we're in Scotland. So COVID came along. I think this is a common thread that runs throughout so many people's stories nowadays. COVID came along, and much like in the high school, I quickly learned actually, no matter how good I might be, nobody gives a damn, Darren. So I lost, didn't lose my job there, but I got offered 50% less hours. And it was really a case of, well, how am I going to put food on the table next month? Teachers live month to month. What am I going to do? So it was really a realization of, well, I can try teaching English online. Okay. But I need to learn how to market. So I started learning the basics of marketing. And that's when I really fell in love with LinkedIn. Started to get quite good on LinkedIn. Started getting a lot more impressions, a lot more content. And started winning more clients. So I kind of moved from being an English teacher into this digital marketer who helps other solopreneurs, small SMBs, to use LinkedIn as a vehicle to be leveraging content, to be winning more customers. And then, as I said, it was really in the last year AI exploded. It was something I'd been aware of. I know you were very much Mr. Web 3. 
Maybe I'm a bit stupid, Kurt. I don't know, mate. I just couldn't really get my head around the blockchain and NFTs and let's all bloody well become buying pictures, JPEGs of monkeys. And it just didn't really work for me. But AI truly captured my imagination. Like yourself, Kurt, I'm a creative. I enjoy creativity. And I felt AI at its basic levels, such as ChatGPT, MidJourney, just allowed me to start doing things I would not have been able to do otherwise. And so the marketing part of my brain kicked in and went, well, everybody's hearing about the thing ChatGPT. If I can break it down, explain it, and build products around it, then I'm onto something. So then really in the last four months, I started building content generation chatbots, but not chatbots. You tell them what you want to do. I use my knowledge of copywriting and marketing to be able to ensure that the copy being produced is of a high quality that does the function, i.e. to attract people towards your content, gets them becoming customers. So it's this content generation bot that I've really begun to build out and just had just had so much fun. Somebody who doesn't know Python, doesn't know coding, but can use a no-code platform and build a pretty damn good app or application that is based upon what I am good at, i.e. writing, storytelling, copywriting, and marketing. What a time to be alive, Kurt. Voila, very, very well done. And I have to say your videos are so entertaining and put well, you're well, they're put together well. And, and I think part of education, which is really important for AI at this point, you're doing a great job and you're a terrific advocate and you're also developing products, which is different than many other advocates out there. As you know, there's a lot of, here's my chat GPT cheat sheet. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> and you, know, you get a nasty chat GPT monster appearing in a mirror that sucks your soul. That's yeah, what happens if you say that 10 times, Kurt. That's the rule. Yeah, <laughs> so there's so much of that going on and it's really, it's like an infographic contest, basically. Here's a new way to show prompts. <laughs> And, and the fact is a lot of those prompts aren't relative to certain people's businesses. So it's like, how do you wade through all of that to just find something helpful? And, you know, the way you do product reviews and, you know, new announcements about new technologies, I, I think is extremely helpful. And I, I love it. What we're trying to do with, with this show, these Realm IQ sessions is, is talk with experts and have dialogue, right? Because there's a lot of push, push marketing out there. It's just saying, it's a one-way conversation. And I think we're at a critical point in the dialogue around AI, both positive and negative, pros and cons, that conversation is good. And meeting of minds and talking to people in different countries like we are today, and understanding how AI, how AI is unifying the globe in certain ways and trying to find commonalities in a world that is becoming, you know, very diffracted. I'm encouraged by the AI community, even though it's very nascent in terms of gen AI, I found the community to be very welcoming and very collaborative and mm. supportive. And it, it's been amazing after two years in web three where <laughs> that went nowhere and was just, just created confusion as to what is it? You know, as you said, you know, chat GPT, gen AI, 
has impacted your life and given you something to hold on to that actually changed your life. And that is a common story. And I think that universal appeal means it's here, it's here forever. It's the genie's out of the bottle. There's a lot of implications, you know, because of it. But I think on the positive side of how it's affected every business, every small business, every industry is really incredible. What are your thoughts about this age of AI that we're in? Exciting and terrifying in equal measures. Yeah, you and I obviously were, we debated against one another last week. And there, it is, I think that it's really important that we get excited, that we that we push it for good and so on. But we are very aware of the potential flaws, dangers and risks associated to it. But I do think it's a, it's a fascinating time for businesses. Again, I think we also need to be careful about the workers and what happens when jobs are taken. Yeah. But it's an incredible time. I think as digital marketers, it's an incredible time. I think it's any, I mean, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's a line that's been thrown around a lot, a lot, Kurt, saying that, you know, AI won't, won't take your job, but someone with knowledge of AI will. I think it's a lazy platitude, actually. I think that it's not helpful in any way to be saying that. I think that it's not so much perhaps even about knowing how to use AI. I think it's about being comfortable with it. I think on a philosophical and on a logical basis of being comfortable with it. I think it's down to companies to be, learning themselves and then teaching their workers unfortunately the way that capitalism works obviously companies are always going to want to cut costs and get things as cheap as possible so i think there's a moral responsibility upon employers as well because if all employees can be using ai to enhance their own work within the company that can only be a win-win basis especially if these skills are tra are transferable mm -hmm. but to go back to your question that the age of ai it is fascinating i mean i think <clears throat> you only have to look at things through chat chief chat gpt 3.5 compared to 4 just as an example mid journey 4 compared to compared to 5.2 and then i can't imagine what mid journey 6 is going to look like i think just the speed at which these technologies are improving is exciting and i think the idea that any ai that we touch today it's as bad as it's ever going to be is again a terrifying and hugely exciting thought so it's something that is here, as you say, it's here to stay. That it's not suddenly going to go away, and I think it's incumbent that people do learn to do it. Just like, especially in Western civilizations, when workforces where literacy was where people were able to become literature illiterate, I think it's similar with AI. I think we need to be training people to become AI literate, and the technologies that we have at the moment might seem very confusing, but the fact I can build applications without knowing a line of code is again a fascinating thing to do so again it's about working with these technologies and ensuring that they are available to everyone that i think we have incredible benefits that can only benefit ourselves the workplace and the world yeah it's a fascinating time i i look back to the renaissance which was in your neck of the woods and how science empowered man to think about his own destiny and his own creative solutions and observations to redefine what the world meant. And 
up to that point, it was the Catholic Church that controlled everything. You know, if you look at the Catholic Church back then as big tech and and the Renaissance empowering people to think on their own and which eventually led to exploring the world and, you know, conquering it in different ways, which is not necessarily great. But yep. but in terms of progress, science and, and and look where we are today, I think some of those metaphors carry over to the empowerment that is is coming through today and i and i think that threat you know i i'm i'm a branding guy so communication is 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 important to me language is important i know it's important to you and and it's you know ai has a branding problem I, i've talked about this before you don't, may not agree but i think the use of robots and imagery is a negative image. And just like you said, you're gonna be not replaced by robots, but someone who knows AI, that's also a negative image. And I think focusing on the positive themes of empowerment and kind of supercharge yourself and elevate and upskill yourself, I think those are the positive messages to get out there because it's more easily to uh, embrace versus Oh, robots! I'm fearful now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm going into something I don't understand. Where, you know, conversational AI is here. You know how to speak. You know how to direct something, or, you know, it's prompt engineering, and now is just really having a conversation. And so, all these barriers come down. And if we can equate impairment with the ease of speaking wow, what what an effect and what an adoption curve is going to happen because of that, right? Yeah. I think we also perhaps place too much emphasis on prompt engineering. I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but I think that as the, as AI gets better and it does understand, you know, natural language processing even better, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of, learn prompt engineering 300k a year i, I think again it, it's not quite that accurate i'm not convinced we will need to know learn prompt engineering in two years three years time i think yeah. simply the ways that the ai will be able to process things we can speak a lot of nonsense into it and it will be able to understand exactly what it is we want like anything to do with language there will be better inputs and worse inputs but i think at the moment there's definitely a there are structures I feel that you need to know and you need to understand what the AI, let's just use chat GPT or any lang- large language model that it responds better to. But it's, you know, it's little tricks like critique, analyze and evaluate your output before giving me your final answer because of the way that GPT works. It doesn't know what it's going to be writing at the end as it's writing in the beginning. So the little things like that, we can refine and get much better content from. I think it's about... Again, I would imagine it, it will be pre-built in in just the coming year or two. That will start becoming pre-built in. So, yeah, I think it's for many, it's an existential crisis, isn't it, Kurt? For many, it's what, what becomes what happens to us. And I think that's normal because it is a new, it's an unknown technology. It is the metaphorical and literal, quote unquote, other that's coming to take the job. And so there's always going to be fear built around that. But again, to your point, we should be focusing on the positives that and the potential that this can bring. But again, I think it requires a, a cohesive effort from all stakeholders, from 
from Sam Altman right down to the factory worker and, and beyond. I think this is really important. And, and, and us as advocates in the middle of all that. Yeah. Yep, saying we're ringing the bells, saying brilliant, look at this, and also ring going, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. You know, it, it is important that we're picking out bugs. I recently, yesterday, I think I posted about one of Google Bard's relatively new updates that allow you to snap a photo. So I literally had that, took a photograph of it, and right. said, where can I buy this? And it found the Logitech R400. It was able to work out the model, gave me the Amazon site. Now, unless I'm careful, it took me to the Amazon US site where it was $40. So if I'm an idiot, I'd have to pay shipping on top of that and it'd take much longer. So I said, no, I'm in Spain. Make sure it's the best price. Took me to Spain. It gave me one that was 10 euros more expensive than the next one below on Amazon. So I think a little bit like anything, and, and I think that we must as humans remain critical. And I think this is a skill that needs to be, we've not done a good age, a good, a good job of it. Again, speaking as a former high school teacher, I always tried my best to, but we must teach people to be more critical and not just accept the first answer. How many people go past the first page on Google? How many people go past the first three hits on Google, actually? Not Those many. are sponsored, by the way. <laughs> They're not really part <laughs> real search. <laughs> so th this is a problem that we have to, well, we have to really address. I think that it's more important than ever for humans to have critical thinking skills and to have the kind of skills which I feel we would only ever reserve for university students when referencing sources, I think that needs to be done from a, from early years almost. When they're starting to learn to read and write, that needs to be taught. We must be more critical, especially as OpenAI, Sam Altman's openly said, we'll probably never get rid of hallucinations. Well, that's a massive concern if people are taking that as gospel and as truth. But again, so many people, we know the proliferation of fake news and so on in social medias, yet so many people continue to believe them because it's so convincing. And I think that's perhaps the LLM problem. It's when ChatGPT says the sky is black, you tend just to agree. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's not a time <clears throat> to be lazy and sit back. I think you should question everything, recognize that it is a tool. And I mean, you need to cross-reference stuff. I, I've I've asked for, uh, I usually ask for in, in, in blog research, you know, find examples and cite the sources. And, and sure enough, yeah, here's some examples and here's some links and sources, whether it's in BARD or ChatGPT or Jasper or now Bing is kind of amazing now with Dali, but I sat on it for a day or two and I, I said, I, I really need to check those sources. Like, were those real companies that, and, yeah. and it turns out they were not real companies. <laughs> it was like, and the links were not relevant. And it was like, what the hell is going on? Evidently, yeah, that's happened to and that's, well. and that's, that's the hallucination, you know, the hallucination is a term that's out there. And, you know, it's, it's confusing as to whether it's, you know, it starts to ask you about your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever. And it's like, no, a hallucination is ChatGPT saying, oh, yeah, there's these companies out there that do this and put them in your story. Yep. That's the hallucination because it's not based on anything. And so I had to go back and do my own research the old fashioned way to really find credible sources. And so it just shows to go yeah 
<laughs> that you you really need to have that critical eye and ear and mind to really challenge everything that you're seeing and reading with these tools and cross-reference, ask the same prompt in another platform and, mm -hmm. and see what you get. Then, then at what point does it actually become less effective to be using ChatGPT for research? This is what I constantly see people using it for. It's the number one thing people say. I'm not sure if it's because they don't want to admit to using Gen AI to be creating content and things like that. So they say, oh, research. But what you've yeah. just explained to me, I've experienced exactly the same with these hallucinations. And this genuinely is a massive problem that we have. And the fact that the big tech companies are saying, we'll probably never get rid of hallucinations how reliable can it be? And again, it comes down to, I don't want to say human laziness, but I don't know what else to call it. Right. We're not going to go through those sources. Again, the footnote for me is another way that Bing, whether it be Bing or whether it be perplexity or whether it be chat GPT searching through Bing with, with Bing search, it looks reliable. It feels reliable. So it must be reliable. You know, it's actually going through that. And you're right. I've clicked on websites and the link is taking me to a website to the article, but it says something different completely. So, and these numbers that they're quoting are not the official numbers. Yeah, no, so no. <laughs> that's a concern. Now it will get better. I am sure it will get better, but until yeah. it does, there needs to be, as we say, that critical eye spread across all sorts, all sort of usage of it. On the other hand, we're able to actually question things. We're able to get information and ask questions about it and be specific to it. It is a time-saving resource. I wonder, though, if we do need to be spending that time to be thinking more critically that we save, to be thinking a bit more critically. But the, the abilities to research, the, the potential depth of research, the fact that it is the democratization of knowledge whereby, I don't know if nothing about science or maths or two things I'm not very good at. So if you give me a heavily scientific paper, AI is a good example, AI, quantum computing and all that. Not a clue. Sorry, don't really understand this. The fact I can up again now, yeah. The fact that I can upload a PDF and ask questions about it is incredible. Explain this to a twelve-year-old. I start understanding it. But again, there's a potential for hallucinations within that. So hallucinations are the big problem that I think us as AI enthusiasts, experts, community need to be trying to work out. And if, and if there is no way that we can guarantee there's no hallucinations we do need to seriously question if it's something to be used at any level for research apart from for personal research when we're putting information out there quoting statistics that we've been given by a large language model that creates more disinformation and future models being trained on that disinformation before we know it we don't know what's fact or fiction yeah i mean when i was in the marketing world with entertainment and doing movie marketing, we always had to have three sources for any quote or review of a movie. And so as a general rule, you know, if that was working for a legal department in an entertainment company or movie studio, then we should do the same thing. It's like, can I find that same quote in three places or that same statistic in three places and that's just due diligence that not only a legal team needs to do, you should do as an author or a blogger or a writer as well. Well, why can't so, chat GPT? And if it can't, or, or another large, large LLM, and if it can't, 
it says, sorry, not sure about that. Now, sorry, Kurt, very quickly, Google Bard, I like the fact that when it's not sure about something, it highlights it in a light red color, saying, yeah. I'm not entirely sure about this information. I think we need more of that. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's part of that due diligence and understanding these signals that sometimes you do get back and how to interpret them. The thing is, like, you know, a McKinsey report might quote ChatGPT. And so if you're using a McKinsey report as a source, well, they better do a damn good job if they're doing a report on, you know, sourcing it three times. So it's a, it's a problem. I think these LLMs are, are getting smarter. And so that will improve with time. So my gosh, this is, you, you know, even though it's been in development for years since, you know, since 2018, just this year, I mean, the, the progress that has been made is, is incredible. Absolutely. Uh, you know, your education background is interesting because it's gonna. It is creating a crisis in in the education circles, both high school and college. What are your thoughts about some of that? And that's a whole another half hour talk, by the way. But I, I just love to get your top level insights on that. Yeah, my top level insights, quite simply, are this education system globally has not been fit for purpose for well over a hundred years. It has not embraced technology. It has not embraced really creativity it's relied on memory and rote learning you remember being told by your math teacher you'll not you'll not have a calculator in your pocket when you're older will you kurt i'm sure you remember that i was told that as well well no they've now got mobile phones that are more powerful than the bloody rocket they sent man to, to man to the moon in so this is where we are and education must change so for me it's not a question of oh how do we ban it it's a case of how do we reform education the problem is not ai the problem is not technology the problem is the fact that school is so based upon rote learning and mem memorization of facts and spitting it out in an essay that it is very easily replicable a uh, replicable repeatable replicable they can replicate it mm -hmm. uh, an ai a chat gpt or something it, that's not that's the world we live in education needs to move on it needs to be nurturing skills it needs to be harboring future skills it needs to be making sure that young people are able to adapt to the world and environment around them how do we do that well again it's down to good language skills good communication skills that's going to be vital no matter what skills that are perhaps you know you don't need to memorize history dates and things like that anymore how often in reality do we actually have do we use it as adults it's nice to know sure now we want to be i feel for education we actually want to be breaking the system completely apart and allowing kids to almost like choose your own adventure you know what are they interested in because i sure as hell wasn't interested in maths and science so i, I mucked around and did nothing when i was a kid it was an adult. I'm fascinated by science. Maths is still crap. <laughs> Sorry, mathematicians. <laughs> but science fascinates me. What am I able to do? Research the internet, watch documentaries, read books. These things will come to us, but by forcing people into boxes and making them study doesn't work. So the implications are, yeah, as AI evolves, how do we educate young people to be interacting with it? How do we educate young people to be building the next iterations of these of this technology? 
That's not to say science doesn't have a place. Quantum physics, quantum computers is mathematics and science, of course. But again, make it more applicable. I'm not convinced the six times table really helps out that much. Again, when we, maybe for mental arithmetic does. So look, okay, yes, I would say that. But make it more relevant. Education must be relevant to the applications and processes that these young people might be entering into into the future. So I would, if I was a teacher, I always did. When I was a teacher, I always embraced technology. The moment that iPad, iPods came out, I was using them within the classroom. We got grant for it, using it within the classroom. Little notebook computers, brilliant. Using, get them to record podcasts, make podcasts. What an amazing, enriching language experience that is, rather than teaching them basic nonsense. Problem-solving skills, getting them into technology. Then we got little, it wasn't mobile phones, but little kind of video com cameras with things that popped up. Brilliant. So getting them to write scripts for short movies and things like this. Horrors. Right. Macbeth. Right. Okay. You're Lady Macbeth. You need to write the ending. She, and this happened. Oh, yeah, this needs to happen. Giving them these. This is how kids therefore read the text, really learn it to understand it, actually engage with it on their own level, ask questions about it, and then they're doing some cool project at the end. So I would like to think I didn't have many bored kids in my classroom because I love tech and I embrace tech. Now, again, teachers were, you know, school didn't harbor my love for technology. It should because tech is here. It's here. This idea They're that, on it anyway. Isn't it? This idea that young people are digital natives, it's absolute codswallop. It's nonsense. They're not. Just because kids can use TikTok and a mobile phone does not make them a digital native. It makes them used to it in so much as it's acceptable for them within their peer groups to go out for a dinner and all six of them are sitting on their mobile phone. Now, what you and I may think of that as adults is a generational thing. That's yeah. absolutely fine. They are digitally native in that sense, but I don't see the kids having skills. It shouldn't be an old fart like myself knew more about tech than those 16, 17-year-old kids around me. It shouldn't be that way. I'm glad it was. It's a lot easier for me, but it shouldn't be that way. So really harboring and fostering these skills and abilities and nurturing curiosity, Kurt. That's what education fails to do. Nurture curiosity. And I yeah. promise you, AI can be the best friend for that. Yeah, you need to put the phones down and have a dialogue, and that's what we're doing here today. And I have to say that your uh, analogy of, you know, do we need to be remembering dates? Uh, I, I'm a history buff, uh, even though I wasn't a history major or anything. I just genuinely liked it. I, I like politics. And I w went to art school, and so I had art history, and I always was fascinated of the parallels between art history and history in general and how how certain movements in history were reflected in art which back during the ages there was no tv and media art was the media and so all those parallels i i think is fascinating and important to understand for context do i remember exact dates no but i i remember movements and cause and effect of art and reporting and recording of images with technology that was available at the time and that's what has you know fascinated me and here we are in a very disjointed world right now with media and news and we don't know 
what to believe anymore when we when yeah. we when it's presented to us again that's a whole nother half hour show it is. Um, i'm even just thinking sorry i'm thinking here as you're speaking i'm thinking how would i use basic ai in the classroom an interview with william shakespeare <laughs> just number one teach them the prompting to get that sort of result and have them asking shakespeare questions or about asking questions about a certain play or rather than why did this happen, I'd be saying what would happen if this character had done this instead of that in the play? The amount of creativity it could help you with and then using that as a basis for them to then take off and to use their own creativity to extend. To extend. AI is not the end point of creativity, my brothers and sisters. Yeah. I truly believe it should be the starting point of yeah, creativity absolutely. as we enter this brave new AI world. Yes, and it starts with teachers, certainly teaching the next generation. Darren, thank you so much. We're entering over half an hour and thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you and keep up the good work, keep up the faith. And I love what you're doing and let's keep in touch and we'll have you back again to talk about some other stuff. And for those of you that are watching, thank you so much for tracking us and following us, the Realm IQ and what we're doing, certainly with these sessions and keep coming back for more. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Kurt. Thanks, everyone. You can now catch Realm IQ sessions on your favorite podcast channels, including Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and iHeart Podcasts. Or listen to the full sessions at kurtdoty.co forward slash Realm IQ. If your company is interested in reaching an audience of AI professionals and decision makers to promote your event or product, we do have sponsorship opportunities. If you enjoy these discussions on AI, please push that subscribe button below. I'll see you in the next video. Realm IQ. Book your corporate AI workshop today. Subscribe to our Media Slam newsletter and learn more about the intersection of design, content, and technology. KurtDoty.co. Branding, marketing, and product development.